grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text is from our gospel lesson. When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, which is in the north of Israel, uh, up by Mount Hermon, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Dear friends of Christ, you know, Jesus asked his disciples what they believed about him, and Simon Peter got it right. You're the Christ. That word Christ is important. It it means uh, chosen one or anointed one. He's the one that was anointed by God to get the work done. There's only one person in the world that can save us. There's only one name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. And at Jesus' holy baptism, Jesus, uh, God the Father anointed Jesus. Remember the dove that came down out of heaven and anointed Jesus? Because he's the Christ, you see. He's the chosen one to get the work done, to suffer and die. And, and, and of course, that he would rescue us from sin, that his blood would be sufficient because it's not just man blood, but it's God-man blood. It's rare. It's holy. It's powerful. And Jesus was anointed to save us, no one else. Now, there is only one who can save us from the flames of eternal hell. And we need to understand that because hell is real, Satan is real, Falling away from the faith is very real. And I'm kind of concerned about that in our day. And I'll talk about it just a little bit. Satan is powerful. We live in a world and a land of darkness. And during time of COVID, my fear is that people are wandering away from the confession. They may still say it with their lips, but they're not worshiping him in their heart. The Bible talks about that. They worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You can say it with your lips all you want. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But if you don't believe it in your heart, you won't be saved. He is the only one, and and not everyone confesses it. In fact, not everyone believes. And there is another concern. Not only do we have people who confess it, but they don't really believe it in their heart, we have many who simply just don't believe it in their heart or confess it with their lips. And Jesus asked his disciples, who do the people say that I am? What are the people saying about me? And He said, who do the people say the Son of Man is? Now, that's an indication who he is. First of all, he calls himself Son of Man. Son meaning he was begotten of the Father. He came from God the Father. Man meaning he's just like us, fully human. He's the appointed one for the task. The only one sent from heaven. The only one that existed from eternity, begotten for all eternity sent from all eternity, taking on human flesh, the God of the universe coming to man 
to bear our sin. Unfortunately, the world doesn't know that Jesus came, the Son of Man, as Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. He was chosen by God. He was chosen by God to give, chosen by God to save. The world doesn't know Jesus. The world doesn't know why he came. Most of the world doesn't care. People have all sorts of opinions about who Jesus is. You know, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. Still others say that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. That's what they thought back then. You know, um, some say John the Baptist. Again, of course, uh, John the Baptist was a great prophet, so Jesus must be a great prophet. Elijah did miracles. Surely he then he must be Elijah, but he'd been doing so many miracles. And he was a great preacher of the word, and so he must be like Jeremiah, the great preaching prophet. Or maybe one of the other prophets. Jesus asked this question to his disciples very clearly while they're visiting Caesarea Philippi, which is interesting because uh, that's where the Seleucids had built a temple to the god Pan. And it's etched in a, a, a cliff with little, little uh, niches where they'd set the gods to worship. And then he turns to his disciples in this godless place of worshiping false gods, and he said, who do the people say that I am? Am I one of these false gods? Am I a nothing? Who am I? The remains of that temple are still there today. In 1988, when I was in my fourth year of seminary, that summer I got to go to Israel and I saw it. It's, and when I was there, one of my professors uh, who went with us asked us the question. He said, who do the people say Jesus is today? What are people saying about Jesus today? What do you think? How would you answer that question? Who do you think he is? And so our theme for this morning is from the words of Jesus himself. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? You know, there are over a billion Muslims in the world. That's a lot of people. And they think Jesus is nothing more than a prophet, a great prophet. But at least they know Jesus existed. Do you know that many people today, what they think about Jesus, he's a myth. That he never existed, that he never died, that he never rose, he didn't live. Well, those people, they don't know their history. At least the Muslims know their history, but they still get Jesus wrong. And they believe that Jesus was just a great prophet of God, a, a prophet who was able to talk about love and all kinds of you know, wise sayings that maybe we should listen to and follow. But they didn't believe that Jesus Christ died, that he was God, that he died in the world to save the world from sin. He died on the cross to save the world from sin. They get the Christ wrong. They get the Jesus part, but they get the Christ wrong. Years ago, Charles Colson 
did not believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now, he does today, but he wrote a book after his conversion called Born Again. And in that book, he describes what he thought about Jesus before he came to faith. He was a good guy. He had some good things to say. Great teacher. Valuable to his community. Valuable to society. Somebody good to pattern your life after. But a Savior? No. Not God. Not Christ. So Colson went on a search and he decided to look at all of the things in the Bible of what Jesus said about himself. And as he began to study in the Bible what Jesus, the claims that Jesus made of himself, it convicted his heart and he came to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. What do you believe about Jesus Christ? Do you realize that's the most important question in life? What do you believe about Jesus Christ? You don't believe it, then wait till you die and are in the presence of God and you stand before his judgment throne. And he asks you the question, what do you believe in Jesus Christ? What was in your heart when you walked on the earth? Jesus asked his disciples, how about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, he had the right answer. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Peter boldly confessed in other places, you know how God anointed, chose Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And in his second letter, Peter's second letter, he wrote, we do not follow cleverly invented stories. When we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. What do you believe about Jesus Christ? The fact that you're here clearly indicates that you know him. The fact that you're listening clearly indicates that you know him. Do you know how blessed you are? How greatly blessed you are to be able to say that confession that Christ is Lord? Do you understand what a What an incredible gift that is. What a treasure you possess. So blessed to be able to say that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you. So blessed to understand how God the Father chose him to save you. To rescue you. From sin. And Peter understood that. And and Jesus was impressed with Peter's answer. However, Jesus also wanted Peter to know that a confession like that, a confession of faith like that, does not just flow from a sinful human heart. It just doesn't come from the inside of you. It's not something a sinful nature can can, doesn't naturally flow from Peter's will or from ours. No, Peter's confession was given to him. It was a gift. Your confession is given to you. It's a gift. It's a treasure. Faith is like that. It's a blessing. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus told Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, Peter, but my Father who is in heaven revealed it to you. You're blessed. Many walk in darkness. You're saved many are not there's nothing in your flesh 
Nothing in your DNA, nothing in your hormones, nothing in your, in your brain cells, nothing in your feelings, nothing in, nothing in your heart. Nothing that can draw you near to confess that saving confession, Jesus is the Christ. Nothing in you. That comes from God. That comes from the Holy Spirit. Faith and confession are a blessing from God. Now, I want you to think about Lydia. And you may not remember Lydia, but if you do remember Lydia, I want you to remember how she came to God. You remember how Lydia came to God? The Bible says in Acts 16, the Lord opened her heart to believe. What a gift. The Lord opened her heart to believe. What a blessing. John 1.13 says that we're children born not of natural descent, not a human decision or a husband's will, but we're born of God. God did the work. Your faith is a precious gift. Your knowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God is a powerful confession, and it's a saving confession. The church stands or falls on Peter's confession, as a matter of fact. It's the rock on which the church is built. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Powerful words. And if you believe that, you're saved. And if you don't believe that, you're condemned. You're damned for all eternity. It's that simple. And Paul wrote, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So many people confess with their mouth, with their lips, but there's nothing in the heart. Oh, I know Jesus is a Savior. That's all I need to say. I've said it. There, good. But there's nothing in the heart. The heart's empty. Jesus knows it. They probably know it, too. Sinful nature has given the world a faulty perception of Jesus. A faulty perception of who He is. Unbelievers are incapable of understanding who Jesus is and what He's done. But you're blessed because you understand this. This knowledge is a free gift. You know, a radio announcer told his audience that he used to fear death. But he doesn't anymore. His fears have subsided. You see, he opened a fortune cookie. That's right, a fortune cookie. And he took out the fortune and it read, Your virtues will outweigh your faults. Your virtues will outweigh your faults. And he, that man used a fortune cookie to bolster his confidence that he would be able to stand before the Lord on Judgment Day. He, he truly believed, a fortune cookie that he'd be able to stand before God because his virtues outweighed his faults. Listen, we can't save ourselves. You couldn't do open-heart surgery on yourself. Even the greatest open-heart surgeon in the world would see the foolishness of trying to do open-heart surgery on himself. It's foolishness. We can't save ourselves. And we need a physician of the heart. We need a great physician of the soul to save us. The one who is anointed. The one who is chosen. The Christ. The Son of the living God. The one who said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. 
and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the one, the anointed one, the chosen one, the Christos, the Christ. You know, Peter's confession was powerful to save. It's your confession. It's mine. And Jesus says, on this rock, on this confession, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Satan is the gates of hell. Satan has great power to deceive. And we read about Satan's power in Revelation chapter 12. The ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the world, the deceiver of the world, was thrown down to earth. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows his time is short. Jesus is the Christ. People are saying it with their lips but not believing it with their heart. The Bible says in the end days there will be a deception, a, a deception of Satan that will cover the hearts of people and even the elect, even the people who come to church will wander away and, be, and lose their salvation. Are we in those days? I wonder. I, and one of my great fears is Satan's power, his darkness is so powerful that, that we have people listening online. They can't come to church anymore. We can't fellowship the way we want to. And the church is not about watching it online. That's not church. The church is about coming together and praying together and taking the Lord's Supper together and encouraging one another in the faith and, and coming to learn about God together. We can't do church over the internet. We have to right now, but my fear is that the devil knows all this. And so there we are, we're listening online or you're listening on the radio and next week you decide, I'm not going to listen to the radio. Nobody's going to miss me. And then you miss another week, and you miss another week, and you miss another week. And it comes from the lips. Jesus is Lord, but it's not in the heart anymore. And I think you understand how Satan deceives. Satan has tons of ammunition to accuse you from God. Think about all the people you hurt. Think about all the tears you've caused in other people. Think about the things you've said, the things that you've done, the commandments you've broken. Satan has deceived you. And he'll accuse you before God. However, in Revelation, we have also good news. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ... And the authority of the anointed one and the authority of the chosen one has come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses sinners day and night before their God. And they've conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. So what do you believe about Jesus Christ? And you confess with Peter, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you confess with John, if we walk in the light as Christ is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We participate in our lives with one another. And that happens in church, that happens with a congregation. That happens people to people, person to person. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all sin. 
You know, Billy Graham had a wonderful way of convicting people, of convicting their hearts of sin. And I, I remember sitting in my, in my uh, living room, um, watching him on, on, on TV, and he would point his finger at, at, the, at the television set, and he would say with a very powerful and bold voice, Your sin will find you out! Our job is to preach the law so that sinners will fall on their knees and cry out to God for mercy the way King David did when he was an adulterer and a murderer. Oh Lord, have mercy upon me. According to your great steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions and wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. The church has work to do. At our gospel lesson ends where Jesus told his disciples, don't tell anyone about the Christ. And you say, well, what's that about? Well, it's because Jesus had to die. He wasn't to be proclaimed Christ yet. The Christ, the anointed one, had accomplished the cross first. But now he's dead and he's risen. And we tell everybody about the Christ. To lift high the cross, to let everybody know about Peter's saving confession, so that it's not just our confession, that we lead people to the doorstep of salvation, that we lead people to the doorstep of life, lead people to the doorstep of the one, the Christ, who can forgive their sins. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.